Hello and welcome to Working Historians, a podcast series where we discuss what historians do with their lives. I am Rob Denning, Associate Dean for Liberal Arts for Southern New Hampshire University's online history programs. We are hip deep in the history research process here on Working Historians. In previous episodes, our cracked panel of historians talked about selecting a research topic, developing a research question, and finding primary and secondary sources. Now it's time to talk about thesis statements. Joining me to do so are Eric Grasinger, Allison Millward, C.B. Repass, Matt Chandler, and Ryan Tripp. So, crack panel of historians, what is a thesis statement? How do you create one, and why is it so important? The first step that I take is to try, and this would be still tentative, still rough, still rudimentary, whatever you want to call it. I would try to develop an answer to my strongest research question, but I am of the I am the view that once you do start to develop an argument, you're abandoning something that I think is is a good thing. You're no longer going to be neutral. You're going to start to have an argument. You're going to start to again draw a line in the sand and pick where you fall. Okay, so the development of a thesis is a lot harder. Um, than it might seem at first. And what I tend to find is your first pass of the thesis is not going to work. It could, and it might be magically it clicks and you just did it great. But sometimes it might be five passes. It might be 10 passes. It could be more, right? So again, this depends on the length, the level, et cetera. But developing the thesis is something that, in my view, you should spend a considerable amount of time. So in terms of it, I don't just sit down on my computer and start to type. That's a one way to do it, right? Just have a stream of consciousness, write down a bunch of ideas. But what I like to do is really reflect and, and take a step back from my, my sources and kind of process and, and, and brainstorm and say, how really do I want to argue this? What's going to be compelling? But also, what can I prove with the evidence that I've accumulated in my primary and my secondary sources? If I don't have the evidentiary support, what I'm arguing becomes speculative. And that's not what we're really looking for. We're looking for something. It might not be ironclad forever, right? We're based, we're, we're, we're using the information the best at our, our disposal at the time, but we should be able to answer that question to the best of our capabilities. So there can be a sense of frustration in developing the thesis. I can't get this argument correct. I, I'm so frustrated. I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying. And that's why I do like to sometimes take a step back before I leap forward. But I also do suggest uh, sometimes a two-sentence thesis is entirely reasonable. It doesn't always have to be one sentence, especially if you're adding semicolons and all these commas. It might be better to have two short, powerful sentences. But the other thing that I tend to argue in terms of developing a thesis is you have a choice to make. Do you really want to assert a powerful, powerful rhetorical posture? Or do you want to prove something that might be less aggressively assertive, but you can prove it more easily? So that really depends on where you're at in your skill set development, the progression of your degrees. But you can, a thesis is, is potentially medium, weak, or strong. That's kind of how I think about them, right? A weak thesis is still answering a question, but it's not really enthralling. A medium strength thesis gets you there. And obviously a powerful thesis is what we want. But again, if you don't have the sources, 
you and you want to work on the project and you and it's it is fruitful in your mind you can i don't love it but you could have a slightly less mind-blowing thesis but you can really prove it with the evidence that you have so i obviously would like the most powerful thesis possible but sometimes especially if you're pressed for time you can develop a thesis i don't want to call it weaker or stronger that's not necessarily fair uh but a thesis that's less say captivating and enthralling but you can actually prove it. You can prove it succinctly. You can not drive yourself bonkers trying to do that. So the thesis is something that is something it's deeply, deeply frustrating at times. But if you can start to really frame arguments, I really think the only way to think about it for me anyway is, all right, how am I going to invert or flip my research question or questions into a series of arguments that I can prove with the evidence that I have gathered? I always call it a keystone. And it's a keystone, not only for the reader, but the writer. Um, I had a good piece of advice from one of my supervisors that said, write it on a post-it and put it on the screen and that guides you the whole way. So it keeps you honest, like the, the guardrails you're talking about, but in an even more narrowed fashion. Yeah. When I'm talking to students, I mean, I, I usually frame it as, you know, the, the thesis is basically your one or two sentence answer to the question. The, the research question that you posted. So you've got a question ends in a question mark and then the thesis ends in a period because <laughs> there's a lot of people, a lot of students, when I say, what is your thesis? What is your thesis? They just throw the question back at me. It's like, well, no, that's, that's, that's not the answer to the question is the thesis statement. And so it should end in a period. It should not be a summary of your project. It should not be a, I'm going to talk about the Civil War. No. <laughs> well, I mean, you are, but that's not your thesis <laughs> statement. That's that's just a summary. That's your, your topic. Um, the thesis statement is, what are you saying about the Civil War? What is your what is your contribution to our collective knowledge? That kind of thing. Yeah, what, what do you want to prove? What, what is it that you want? What is it that you want your reader to walk away with going, oh, that's what she wanted to say about that? Yeah, I like the I like the uh, I like the framing of takeaway for for that 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 sometimes resonates with students too. What is the what is the thing you want someone to walk away from your project with? Because walking that you don't want them to walk away just saying, "Oh, that was a paper about the Civil War." That's <laughs> that's not much of a useful takeaway. <laughs> so, what is the actual lesson that you want students to learn from that? I think also it's investment on the student part. It's their watermark on that historical point their contribution to the literature, their, their kind of their expansion of what we collectively know on a topic. So, yeah, so it's kind of, the, it's, it's the centerpiece for the entire project. It's, it's the, the elevator pitch, I guess, is another way you could put it. This is kind of the, 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 the distillation of your argument. The remaining 500 pages in your monograph will be the, you know, the expansion of the argument to support the, the thesis, but the thesis statement is still the thing that connects it, that connects everything. Um, kind of like the, kind of like what we were saying with the research question. So how in your own work, have you all kind of settled on a thesis statement? How do you develop a thesis statement? We've got a sense of how it's important, why it's important, but how do you get there? I think uh, knowing that, that thesis can be tentative, the provisional interpretation and not, don't be too flexible, but I think it, it, it's tentative. And, um, you know, there, there can be an interplay between the historical question and the thesis statement. I mean, you could be in your research, you could be researching, researching, researching. Um, and while I think I usually want students to just stick with a, a research question, you can uh, tweak it too if there's some sort of, you know, dialogue going on between your re uh, research question 
and your uh, your an interface between your research question and your thesis statement. Um, but I think emphasizing the provisional nature of it and your research as you proceed is, I think, important, and also organization as well, and that reflecting your essay. I harp on the, when helping a student develop a thesis um, statement, I harp on those three points. What are three primary things that you want your reader to remember? What are the three primary things that you really want to prove? Let's work in forming that statement then. And then you can have, so that way you can also have those debatables. You can have, uh, you can have both sides of the story. And then how do you get it to be your side of the story? And I think it goes without saying, um, kind of like I was saying early, earlier, make sure your research guides your thesis, right? Don't let this turn into a thesis statement of, well, I think this. Right. And here is, right, that 500 page, here's a list of things I think, right? I mean, this truly is, your your thesis is, is you know, your mark, but it, again, it's also kind of that proof that not only are you leaving that mark on the literature, but that you have gone through the literature and you are understanding your field and you've understood and you've really engaged with the, the primary and secondary sources. You know, let let your truly let your research guide your thesis, um, because, uh, again, it, it's um, it's so much it's, it really is that backbone of, of what you're doing. I had a uh, professor in grad school, he was on my dissertation committee, so I heard this an awful lot, um, who, whenever I was discussing argument, he, his constant question was, so what? Which is one of those things that just drives you nuts when you're hearing it, but it mail, it really kind of nails oh, down all the problem. <laughs> <laughs> you need to figure out, how do I answer the so what question? Why does it matter? Why is this important? Why am I spending time doing this? Why is the reader spending time and energy reading my reading my work? Uh, it, you know, two words makes you do a whole lot of thinking, and it it, it angered me <laughs> so much when he in the moment when he would ask me, "Yeah, well, so what?" But at the same time, it's like, okay, well, I, okay. <laughs> so now I have to start thinking about how can I answer the so what question. Um, so that, that that is always on my mind whenever a student asks about how do, you know how do I develop a thesis thesis statement question. You know, it's one thing for a tenured professor, you know, at an R one university to say so what. I probably can't really turn around <laughs> and say the same thing to the student. So I usually frame, I usually couch it in the same story about my my professor asking me this, you know, asking me so what. So that's kind of what you what the student needs to think about. Also, I try not to frame it quite that way when I'm giving feedback, but that is kind of what's going on in the back of my mind. So what. I think there's a similar idea that I heard that was, how does this advance things uniquely yes. in the field? That's, that's a, a much better way to put it. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it, it's kind of the same thing. And it's not only for that specific topic, but say uh, we're discussing here, you know, nurses on the Western front that also, how does that advance women's history too? So mm -hmm that might play into how you shape that tentative thesis statement. Yeah. Cause it's all about what are you contributing to our collective knowledge on something? And so it may require spinning it in a different direction than you might otherwise do it, but yeah, that's, that's the goal. And so, yeah, if we can tie it to a new field or a new, 
Um, a lot of our courses use the term lens as a way of, you know, as, as a, a field or a way to look at it. So, you know, what new lens can you bring to it? What new sources can you bring to it? What new, how can you bring this to a new field of study? That kind of thing. Um, and, that, and that helps with the so what? <laughs> it's, it, it matters because now we're bringing women into it. That kind of thing. I mean, I, I guess one last thing that I could mention that I, I, I think, to, to be clear, um, is that a thesis is an argument. And CB, you mentioned a while back uh, when we were talking about the topic and the research question, I think, um, is that you don't, uh, a research question where the, the answer is yes or no is generally not a very good research question. And kind of the same thing with the thesis. If you've got a thesis that you can answer with yes, <laughs> then it's really not a very interesting argument. You want to make sure that it's something that is is making a case for something. It's making a, It's making an argument with the implication that somebody could make a counter argument to it. Exactly. Maybe they won't. I mean, the, the goal is that you're going to create such a strong argument that nobody would push back on it, but it, there should be room for pushback on it. Uh, because otherwise, if you're, if you're able to answer the question is yes or no, what are you going to say for the other 500 pages? <laughs> it's something that you need, you need to have something that's a bit more complicated than just a yes or no. And so that's why we're always harping on the idea that it's a historical argument because we're not arguing over facts. We're arguing over interpretations of history. So it's, we're not arguing whether, so we're not arguing over whether, you know, James Longstreet was at the battle of Gettysburg. That's, that's yes. The answer is yes. But what is the significance of his actions there? That's a much more, you know, kind of nuanced question that can be that you can go in new directions on possibly. And I keep harping on the civil war because that's the, the topic that the vast majority of my students always want to tackle in that, at the capstone level. And so a lot of my job is trying to kind of persuade them to go in different directions because the civil war is kind of a mind minefield of there's so many books written on it. So that's always at the top of my mind, but so I don't mean to harp on the civil war, but that's kind of the, the, the thinking is that you don't want to focus on something that's yes or no. You want to focus on something that's actually much more nuanced than that, that you, that you can contribute to. All right. Well, thank you all for joining us today. Join us again in two weeks when the panel will answer the question, how do I start writing a history research paper? This episode appears on the Working Historians podcast feed, and you can subscribe to that feed on any podcast app, including Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Amazon Music, Podbean, Pandora, or whatever else you prefer. That way you won't miss any episodes and you'll continue to hear about all the other cool stuff that historians do with their lives. This podcast does not represent the views of Southern New Hampshire University. If you have any questions or comments for this or any of our other podcasts, please send us a message to workinghistorians at gmail.com or through our Twitter feed at WorkHistorians. For Eric Greisinger, Allison Millward, CB Repass, Matt Chandler, and Ryan Tripp, I'm Rob Denning. Go start an argument. You've got my blessing. <laughs>